Good morning, Manuel. Today we are doing part three of the Finding Home series that we started a few weeks ago, looking at adoption and fostering and advocacy for kids and for families. In week one of the series, Chris laid out this very clear biblical mandate that we have as followers of God to care for the orphans and the widows, the most vulnerable and marginalized among us and around us. Deuteronomy 10, for instance, says of God that God is a God who ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. Isaiah 1, talking to the people of God, says this, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of the orphans, fight for the rights of widows. Proverbs 31 says, speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, ensure justice for those being crushed. Jesus, throughout his New Testament teaching, taught to this theme, this idea of caring for, inviting in those that are marginalized, especially children. The book of James starts off with these words, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Time and time again, Scripture gives us a message. There's a place to write this in your notes. A key measure of our faithfulness to God is our faithfulness to caring for the marginalized. Let me say that again. A key measure of our faithfulness to God is our faithfulness to caring for the marginalized. And you know, there aren't a whole lot of groups out there that are, that are more marginalized, that are more vulnerable than the kids, the children that are part of the American foster care system. Growing up in rural Wisconsin, I have to say, I don't know that I ever even knew a foster kid. I mean, I may have, but I wasn't aware of it at the time. And so for most of my life, the pictures that I had in my mind of what a foster kid was, or what the foster system was, or what a foster family was, were largely shaped by what I saw on television, what I saw in movies, you know, these, these stereotypes, the, the troubled, brooding teen who makes life miserable for his parents and for everyone around him, or, or perhaps the money-grubbing, you know, scoundrel foster parents who, who are just trying to get as many kids as they can because they're trying to get rich off the system. Or perhaps most destructively, the stereotype that, that foster kids just grow up to be the parents of tomorrow's foster kids. All of it is, is a cycle. All of it is, is pretty dark and pretty hopeless. I mean, it's not that there aren't brooding teens. It's not that there aren't some bad apples out there who are trying to game the system. It's just that these portrayals don't tell the whole story. They're, they're a caricature of the real people, the real lives, the real children impacted in this. And I think that because for most of my life, I didn't know firsthand any kids who were actually part of this system, I was allowed to sort of remain sheltered from it, hidden from it. We have a name for that here at Emmanuel. We, we call that being insulated. See, we don't know what we don't know, but as a result, we can live life very insulated from ever having to face some of the hard realities around us. And part of the objective of this series is to help pull back a little bit of that insulation, to expose the wire, maybe even touch the wire to get a sense of the real challenges around us and then begin to discuss how we can, as individuals and as a church, respond to those challenges. For me, it wasn't until I was an adult that I actually met some real life people. I was actually unsolated for the first time to the system. I began to meet real foster kids and hear the, the real stories of families. And it wasn't until I was unsolated that I began to understand both the tragedy and the beauty. 
the potential and the heartbreak that is the foster care system in America. It's not neat or clean, and it doesn't fit the stereotypes that we often have. So today, for just a few minutes, we want to take some time and begin to do that work of pulling back the insulation just a little bit from our lives, from our eyes, from our experience, to expose that wire, to maybe even touch the wire. And then having gotten a sense of the need, begin to move forward in thinking and talking and planning about how we can be the people of God in the reality that is around us. It's a subject that I'm guessing many of us haven't spent a lot of time on. Most of us have been able to be insulated from most of our lives. Did you know, for instance, that there are 440,000 foster youths nationwide. And that number is growing all the time. Thanks to, to things like the opioid pandemic, to growing levels of violence and neglect and addiction and abuse, there are new kids entering the foster system every single year. There are 110,000 children that are waiting to be adopted, waiting year after year for their forever home. And every year, 30,000 youth age out of the foster care system when they reach 18 or 19 or 20. And, and they're too old to be in the system, but they're not actually ready for life. So it's not surprising that within four years of aging out, we know statistically that 70% of those kids will be on government assistance. 50% of those kids will be unemployed. And for those who do find work, the average annual income is something like $7,500. Not enough to live on. 50% will therefore experience homelessness. 25% will not have completed high school. Less than 12% will ever earn a college degree. These kids who are kind of released into the system but aren't ready for it, aren't equipped for it, aren't prepared for it. And as a result, as a society, we will pay something like a million dollars per child to, to care for that person the rest of their lives. This hurts everyone. According to some other sources, 25% of those kids will be incarcerated within two years. And perhaps the one that was most staggering for me is that 71% of the young women that age out will be pregnant by the age of 21. I wonder what happens to those pregnancies and to those kids, kids that are born into the system born into the cycle and the cycle begins again. Kids being born into broken homes and broken families who then perpetuate that cycle of brokenness, sometimes for generations. A cycle that, where kids are so neglected and so consumed with just finding their next meal or a safe place to sleep that they begin to believe the lie that that's just normal. That's just the way it is. They begin to believe the lie that they can't break out of that cycle. We see this sort of generational curse all the time, sort of a like father, like son, where the broken systems that kids experience get passed on to their own children. In the Old Testament, the people of God actually had sort of an ancient Jewish proverb about that. It said this, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, meaning the parents, the fathers and the mothers make bad choices and the kids end up paying the price for that, the generational cycle of brokenness. But God speaks into that and he says, it doesn't have to be that way. The prophet Ezekiel begins with this word or brings this word. The word of the Lord came to me. 
What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel, for everyone belongs to me. The parent as well as the child, both alike belong to me. God is saying, don't quote that proverb. Don't perpetuate that system. God says the cycle can be broken. And that, that's great news. The statistics don't get to define these kids. Their parents and their own stories of brokenness, the, the parents that they never got to experience, those stories don't get to define these kids. They don't get to determine their future. The cycle can be broken, even in small ways. And as followers of God, we have a role to play in helping to break those cycles, of helping these children in finding home through fostering. There's a place to write this in your notes as well. Fostering helps break the cycle of broken homes, but it's not easy. Some friends of mine uh, made the decision a couple years ago to step into the role of being foster parents. They went through the classes, they went through the, the home study, they did all the work, and, and they signed up to do sort of occasional care on weekends. And they said they, they wanted a child that was around five years old. Well, they almost immediately got a call saying that there was an absolute urgent need for a newborn infant, and it wasn't gonna be a short-term placement for a weekend, it was gonna be a long-term placement. It wasn't what they pictured, it wasn't what they signed up for, it wasn't what they asked for, but it was what was needed. And so they said yes, and they opened their home to this child. Well, that was not over a year ago, and it has been an absolute crash course for them in the American foster system. I mean, it's been hard on so many levels. You see, the goal of the foster system, I think appropriately, is, is to reunite the family once the, the, the family has been ready for that. But that has been an absolute roller coaster, a roller coaster of relapses and of missed visitations. A roller coaster of calls that said that the family was ready and that the child was going to be brought home and reunited with her birth parents or with other relatives, but then getting a call that it had all fallen through. It's been really hard. And all the while, they do this knowing that there's no guarantee that this child isn't going to end up going right back into the system, going right back into the brokenness. But for one year now, the cycle has been broken in substantive ways. The patterns of neglect and abuse have been weakened. For the past year, this child has been loved and held. She has felt safe and secure. For one year, she has gotten to experience a whole different life, a whole different story. And that story is now part of her story. She's been given an example of what family can look like. Perhaps a story that her own birth parents never got to experience for themselves, coming from broken families themselves. And in small ways, at very least, that cycle has begun to break. I've asked them what, what they would say to the church if they could say anything uh, to you guys. And they, they said a number of things, and they were frankly kind of surprising to me and maybe even a little hard to hear. They said, first of all, you can't become a foster parent to fill some kind of hole in your own life. I mean, that, that hole might be a desire to become parents for people without kids. But the goal of fostering is to reunite these kids with their families. And so you're making a lifetime commitment to a child who may only be in your family for a few months. And then that hole will remain. Or maybe the hole for you is, is, is wanting to find meaning in life. And certainly, you know, to rescue kids from these abusive families. And certainly there's meaning in this. Certainly there's truth in that. But these kids probably won't see it that way. 
They won't see you as a rescuer. Certainly their families won't see you as a rescuer. They said you can't become foster parents for the warm fuzzies. I mean, certainly there may be some of those, but it's also a ton of really hard work physically, emotionally, mentally, even relationally. The dad said that this experience hasn't improved his view of the system. If anything, it's actually just brought to light how broken the foster care system is. But then he was quick to say, but it's worth it. It's a necessary work that we need to be doing. He said, we foster because that's what God's people do. This is the good work that God has for all of us to be engaged in. Even if there are no promises that everything's gonna turn out right, we are called to care for these kids. Those are powerful words and he's right. I mean, throughout the history of, of the church, the, the church has been known for their care for the marginalized, their care for the orphans and the widows. I was talking to my neighbor the other day who lives across the street. He's an older guy who grew up in India. And he said, in India, it was just common knowledge that if there was a kid that you could no longer raise or a kid you didn't even want to raise anymore, for whatever reason, if you needed to get rid of a kid, everyone knew that you brought them to the Christians because the Christians would find a home for that child, would make a home for the child. Is that the case in America today? According to the statistics, it's not. You see, I think, I think perhaps there's another cycle at play as well. Perhaps even a generational cycle that we are a part of, where we are able to live pretty insulated from this reality that's really all around us, where, where we don't have to see the thousands of kids in need right in our own communities. Did you know, for instance, that in Minnesota, approximately 185 children each week go into the foster care system? Every single week, almost 200 kids. There are 10,000 kids currently in the foster care system in Minnesota. But for many of us, we are so stuck in our cycle that we don't see it. A cycle where we are so busy and so consumed with our careers and our kids' sports and all of our stuff that we begin to believe the lie, that this is normal, that this is just the way it is. We begin to believe the lie that we can't break out of that cycle. But you know what? Fostering helps break the cycle in our homes. There's a place to write that down. Fostering helps break the cycle in our homes too. See, for my friends, by opening their homes and their lives to a foster child, my friends not only got to even for a season break the cycle in that child's life, but also in their own lives, in the lives of the two other kids at their house. By opening their home and their lives, they got to experience firsthand what it really means to self-sacrificially live, to put the needs of someone else ahead of their own needs, to allow their sense of control to be shaken, to allow their calendar and their plans and their priorities to get all messed up. For the last year, they've learned what it means to live and love and reorient their lives around caring for one of the least of these I think perhaps in, in very real ways, those of us who tend to see our lives, our homes, our families as normal, <laughs> may need to have our own patterns, our own cycles broken up a bit, where we tend to see our homes as sort of our own, our castle, our refuge, our fortress, our right. And where we instead begin to see everything that we own 
all of our time is God's, available for his purposes and for his kingdom. Our home can be a place for kids to find home. And for some of us, that might mean considering becoming foster parents or adoptive parents. That's awesome. I think there are people in our congregation for whom that is actually the next step. Prayerfully think about that, discuss that, pray about whether or not God has put that on you. Maybe a first step for you is to actually reach out to an organization like Bethany Christian Services. We'll have a a link on the page here who can help you explore and assess how you might take that next step. And yet, as all the experts will tell you, foster parenting is not for everyone. Not everyone is cut out for it. Not everyone is called to it. But there are ways that all of us can get involved in beginning to break down these cycles in our own lives, but also in the lives of these kids and these families as well. There's there's things that all of us can do without actually becoming foster parents ourselves. I want to give you just a few practical ways that any of us could be involved in helping to break these cycles. The first is help foster children by helping their foster families. For instance, offer to to get a background check so that you could offer babysitting for these families on on an occasional basis when they maybe need a break or, or maybe they need to take another child to an appointment. You may not be a foster parent, but what if our small churches and the people in our small churches churches could band around the families at ECC, and there are several of them, maybe many of them, who are doing foster care? What if we became their pit crew? What if every small church adopted a foster family and could be their support crew as they do the hard work? One foster mom wrote this, stop by with a cup of coffee and just hang out. And most of all, speak to my foster children just as you would speak to my biological children. I think that's powerful. Secondly, another option would be to provide foster respite care. Essentially, respite care workers uh, provide weekend support for families in crisis or for foster children who, for whatever reason, need a short period of care for the child. We don't think about these things, but oftentimes foster parents can't take these kids out of state. And so if they need to leave for a weekend to see relatives or for whatever reason, they need someone who can care for that child. Become a respite weekend care giver. One of the organizations that we've featured in this series and before is called Safe Families Minnesota. And it does exactly that kind of work where where families can come alongside of foster families and come alongside of families in need and provide that weekend or or short-term respite care. Julie O'Brien, who was the violin player, her family is one of several families at ECC that's working with Safe Families Minnesota. Another option that all of us could participate in, whether we're empty nesters or single or whatever stage of life we're in, is volunteer with organizations like Bethany Family Services. Help support the organizations that are out there working on behalf of these families, on behalf of these kids. Bethany does amazing work in foster care and adoption and mentoring in Safe Families Minnesota. See how you can help them do this work. And then finally, and these are just a very brief list, but finally attend uh, the Finding Home Conversation uh, that we're going to be having on December 3rd. It's a place where we're going to get together online and hear from some of these families that are doing this very hard work, hear from some of the organizations, have a chance to ask questions, have a chance to do breakout sessions. It'll all be online where you can just explore a little bit more what God might have for you as a next step in this process of helping kids find home. I think there's something in this 
for all of us. Here's the thing. All of us are born into systems. We're born into cycles of brokenness. All of us. It's what sin has done in this world. Scripture tells us that if we think we don't have sin, we're, we're fooling ourselves because all have sinned. All have fallen short. And so every system, every family system has its brokenness. For some of us, we are born into cycles of neglect and abuse and addiction that's led to, to broken homes and broken lives and kids that need to find home. A cycle that's repeated generation after generation after generation. And some of us were born into systems of stability and relative affluence and security. And that's wonderful, but that can also lead us to increasingly living for ourselves, thinking we are self-sufficient. Thinking of our needs and our, and our ability to remain insulated from ever having to face these crises. A cycle that in us can be passed from generation to generation to generation. But God says, Scripture tells us, don't quote that proverb. Don't perpetuate those systems. And no matter what system you were born into, we have the opportunity to work together to begin to break down those cycles and to bring real hope as we open our homes so that these children can find home. At Emmanuel, we believe that all of us who, who would be disciples of Jesus are what we call these discipleship continuums, where we look at you know, the way that, that we serve, the way that we reach out, the way that we connect, the way that we give. And, and one of those continuums is this, this ability to grow in our capacity to reach out and show compassion. We call it our outreach continuum. All of us, all of us can be growing in these capacities. It looks a little bit like this. Reaching out in Jesus' name to those who are lost and hurting. We start off insulated. That's where many of us have been. That's where I was most of my life and where many of us are even today. But having had this conversation, we've pulled back that insulation just a little bit. And we've been introduced to the challenge. We now have a choice of whether or not we want to move on this continuum to becoming engaged or not. As Chris loves to say, none of us can do everything, but every believer should have a substantive something. And during this series, you might just find yours. I want to end my time uh, by sharing a quote with you uh, from minnesotaadopt.org, mnadopt.org, that I think really helps bring this home. They are saying what scripture said millennia ago. If you've thought, I can't help them all, but maybe I can help one. Consider this, the difference you can make as a foster parent, an adoptive parent, does not just change the one or two children you're fostering. It has the ability to change generations. Children and youth can learn what it takes for families to be stable, abuse-free, and safe. Foster families are the ones that can teach them this. Through these lessons, the hope is that they will grow up to provide security and safety for their children and their children will do the same. There's hope that the cycle can be broken and we have a role to play in that. I wanna end by sharing just one story of one family who's begun to take those next steps and have found their substantive something in fostering. I wanna introduce you to the Healy's. 